Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This week we've got another one of our careers episodes, all about applying to the Renal Grid programme. Rebecca Jones, one of our newest Dragon Bites hosts, is joined by Dr. Ash Gupta, consultant paediatric nephrologist at Birmingham Children's Hospital, and by Shuja Alam, nephrology grid trainee, also based at the Birmingham Children's Hospital. In this episode, they discuss the application process to get onto the nephrology grid programme. Welcome to Dragon Bites. Today we're talking all things nephrology grid and we're joined by two special guests um, from over the bridge. You've got myself Rebecca Jones and Asim Javed as your hosts for today Um, and our guests are Ash Gupta, a renal consultant from Birmingham Children's Hospital and Shuja Alam who is a Welsh trainee who is doing his grid training in Birmingham Children's Hospital. Can we just start by um, both of you guys introducing yourselves a little bit? Yeah, um, so uh, thanks for the introduction already, Reb. Um, Yes, so I am um, uh, a Wales trainee, actually, um, and uh, I, after studying medicine at medical school in Bristol, I went straight back to Wales where I grew up. Um, and I was there since foundation school. Um, Wales, of course, doesn't offer um, grid training opportunities for uh, paediatric nephrology, as it's not a transplant centre itself. Um, and so um, I had to spread my wings and uh, search further afield for training opportunities uh, for the field that I, um, I, I decided on. So um, that took me to Birmingham Children's Hospital. Um, so I ventured all the way over the bridge to England uh, and have been there since over the last year. Excellent. Um, and um, I'm Ash Gupta. I'm, uh, as you said, I'm a consultant paediatric nephrologist at Birmingham Children's. I uh, completed my medical school in Nottingham and did my foundation jobs there. And the first start of uh, and the start of my paediatric training as well, I moved across to seven um, to Bristol as well for a year of my early reg training before I applied for GRID in ST5. And then I moved across to the West Midlands and I stayed there for grid training and stayed there for my consultant jobs. That's, I mean, so both of you have um, travelled around a bit as part of your training. So that's really good to know that it's something that's a option. What was it that drew you both to, if we start with you, Ash, what was it that drew you to paediatrics and then on to renal? Um, so I think paediatrics is, I actually was going to, I applied for a different specialty uh, and just in the in the months that the applications went in, I did my paediatric nephrology post as an F2 and it completely changed uh, my perspective on things. And I just found paediatric nephrology um, hugely exciting. It was the first time I was able to apply um, physiology and basic science directly to clinical practice and we could see things like a tissue on a renal biopsy and then change our management plan based on that and I found that really exciting at the time. I really also loved working in teams and working in paediatrics in general 
in especially in pediatric nephrology, you work in MDT really closely. And then you've got lots of colleagues within the UK that you work closely with and internationally. So I just loved the team atmosphere. And then I didn't realise specifically with pediatric nephrology was that um, you look after patients on an acute basis. If they're immediately unwell, you look after them. And usually pediatrics and children bounce back really quickly. And that was hugely satisfying. But also some children have long term um, problems and you look after them from a baby all the way up to when they become adults and you transfer them to adults. And I thought I thought just got huge satisfaction from working with children and families over a longer period of time um, and getting to know their families. So I think that there was lots of reasons why I liked paediatrics, but in particular, from an early point, I really liked paediatric nephrology. And so I think I was really keen on it just at the time of applying for paediatrics. But I tried all the other specialties before I applied for GRID and just, and just nephrology just stuck with me. Before I ask the same of you, Shuja, I guess what you said at the end there, Ash, that leads really nicely into asking what you think the most rewarding part of doing your job as a paediatric nephrologist is. Yeah, I think all of those three things really, I just value so much. It's really good to be able to know that you have so much variety in your role. You kept, you've got, everything is is challenging in a nice way and it's you've always got a good supportive team um, from all members of the multidisciplinary team through to other consultant paediatric nephrologists um, across the world really to support you to do that and um, I just find that incredible that you can work at that level and have that level of support to deliver such high quality care. I didn't ever um, think that I'd have the opportunity to work in that kind of setting so that's what I find hugely rewarding you're inspiring us all now Ash and it's only the start of the podcast <laughs> we have to talk a bit more about the technical details of applying for grid and what sort of things doing nephrology will involve as a grid trainee so I was wondering if um you guys would be able to tell us a bit about what the actual training program involves and how long it's the start to finish process is. Yeah, sure. I can I can start off, Rebecca, and maybe Shuja can um, tell us a little bit more about uh, the structure of the program because he's entered at the point um, of a change in the curriculum. So, um, so in terms of the actual program, it varies according to which centre you're in and whether you decide to do um, the clinic, a clinical program or whether you decide to do research as part of it as well. So often the so the grid program itself is two to three years and each centre, each training centre will um, specify how many years you would normally train for. Um, and then you have the opportunity to um, take up research um, during that time as well. And that would lengthen the training. Um, Shuja, since the progress curriculums come in, um, the the requ- your requirements are slightly different, aren't they? 
Yeah, actually, they've. I think they've made it a, a lot more generic and straightforward. Actually, um, uh, in in order for you to evidence your your progress, uh, but it is still essentially the same core areas that you need to get experience in. One of them, for example, is uh, dealing with uh, kidney transplant, which we've already talked about. For that reason, the training needs to be in a transplant center. Um, and there is one training center currently that doesn't involve transplantation. Uh, that's at Southampton in Wessex. But then they are linked with um, a transplant center in London, usually Evelina, I believe, where the trainees would usually spend at least one uh, one year in London as well to supplement their learning. So um, there are there are core domains within the uh, subspecialty curriculum, uh, which would include transplantation and then dealing with renal replacement therapy, such as um, p- uh, peritoneal dialysis and hemodialysis and hemofiltration, um, and then dealing with uh, acute kidney injury and chronic kidney disease um, and uh, electrolyte abnormalities, uh, and then also uh, congenital abnormalities and dealing with um, and being able to interpret kind of uh, radiographical investigations, uh, and, and finally um, uh, dealing with the patients as as a whole person. And um, uh, there are some specific um, points in the curriculum about transition uh, and um, working with the multidisciplinary team, which Ash has already alluded to, is such an important part of of nephrology. Um, there is also specific outcomes about biopsy, which is one of the main uh, practical procedures that we have to gain proficiency in uh, during your two or three years in in pediatric nephrology, um, and you know throughout uh, to gain the uh, expertise uh, in all of these fields that we mentioned, um, you will have exposure on the wards, um, running the acute service. You will have experience consulting. Uh, for patients that are in um, intensive care or that are in satellite surrounding hospitals that would be calling for telephone advice. Um, And uh, you would also get experience by kind of managing patients on an outpatient basis. So there would be, um, you know, regular clinics uh, that are dealing with patients with kind of chronic kidney disease um, and and different specialty clinics for for specialist um, services. For example, ASH, um, has a specialist interest in genetics. So she has clinics that run specifically in that and for conditions for, for example, Bardet uh, Beadle syndrome. Um, and other nephrologists will have their own specialty clinics uh, as well. Um, and hemodialysis itself runs kind of like an outpatient department. So um, through uh, all of these different um, kind of experiences, you will be able to evidence um, having uh, having kind of dealt with and and built up experience um, with each of these conditions, if that makes sense. Us as uh, pediatric nephrology grid trainees, we do have uh, a dual um, curriculum to have to evidence against. So we still have the e-portfolio as you usually would, and and we would still have to maintain our progress through the progress curriculum for general pediatrics as well. That's very important um, that we actually end up uh, dual accredited, dual qualified with our CCT at the end. And it's important that as you are going through your nephrology competences, that you don't um, that you don't let your general side suffer. And certainly, uh, you know, in the training places where you will be 
um, attached. Birmingham Children's Hospital is an excellent example of this. There will be plenty of opportunity to um, gain your general paediatrics um, during your on-call shifts. And you would literally um, have to find the time and be organized to um, make sure you keep your portfolio up to date and, and use the cases that you see um, to, to link to, your, uh, to both of these uh, curriculum. Curriculi? Is that is that the plural of curriculum? Curriculum. Yeah, I'm not sure, but it can be now. <laughs> when completing grid training, are there specific posts that you need to complete? Uh, no, I was just going to say that usually you end up being um, placed in one or two tertiary paediatric nephrology centres, but there are other posts that can um, allow you to. Uh, obtain the competencies um, such as PICU because you would um, for example you'd be ma- you could be managing patients with acute kidney injury there and those that are on need to start filtration for example so some so historically other uh, sort of time or posts in other departments like PICU have contributed um, But the the conventional route is that you're placed in the tertiary paediatric nephrology centre and you work within nephrology for for that period of time, whether it's two or three years. Um, But there are exceptions to that as well. Yeah, that's a really good question, Reb. I I asked the the CSAC chair um, a a similar question recently. Uh, That's Carolyn currently. And um, she uh, explains that the paediatric nephrology training regardless of which center you're placed in generally uh, the rule is that actually that would take two years um full-time equivalent two years and and then it depends on at which point you have entered your training so um if like myself you've entered at st6 that means your cct date um uh, is actually potentially after three more years uh, after three years so um those two years could be taken up doing your pediatric nephrology and then you have the option of really what are you going to do in that third year and that is where you might find it um supplementary to your training to do a placement um in picu for example or for example pediatric rheumatology where you're dealing with kind of systemic vasculitides and and using similar medication and immunosuppression um, or metabolic medicine, um, which again are fields which uh, have have similarities to and work with pediatric nephrology, or it might be that actually you need to supplement something from your general pediatric um, curriculum. So uh, she told me that there are examples of trainees that have had to do a little bit of time in in general pediatrics or have opted to do some time in general pediatrics for a particular learning outcome that they have. Um, so that's where there is some flexibility. But if you join the uh, grid training at ST7, then it does mean that you have to achieve your require- your um, uh, competencies by the end of ST8, because there isn't actually um, leeway to extend that CCT date unless you did time out of um, program. So uh, that might be for research, for example, or for specific things, but you wouldn't otherwise generally be able to extend your CCT date. Shuja, that's really clear, actually, and I think that's really useful for people to know and understand. Um, the only thing I would add to Shuja's summary is that um, some uh, trainees also choose to go abroad, and they do that after their paediatric nephrology training. So some so some units have established links with um, other centres like the Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto, 
and they and um, so you, you have the opportunity to apply for fellowships there prior to taking up your consultant job in the UK or a post CCT fellowship as well where you obtain your CCT first and you go across there just to add to your um, experience and all research skills. Oh, that's that's amazing. I think that'd be really useful for all trainees to know. I certainly, I'm early in the process, but I certainly didn't know that those kinds of things were options. Okay. Um, and I think we've already covered how specialised nephrology is and that not all centres have access to as in-depth nephrology that you guys see at the children's. What sort of things can trainees do if they think they might be interested in doing nephrology um, to gain experience? Um, I think you can do lots of things. So within your um, sort of day-to-day job, if you, even if you do things as as you just suggested um, in the past, is if in in um, in the previous questions rather, if you see a patient with any renal um, problems, if you review that patient and you use that case uh, to do a work based assessment um, or to reflect on your portfolio, it just shows your enthusiasm and dedication for um, the the um, subspecialty. You can also consider. Uh, going to clinics where so for some of the pediatric nephrologists that work in tertiary centers will come out to smaller centers to do clinics um, the peripheral renal clinics jointly with general pediatricians in that center so you can always attend those clinics ask to attend them um, you can use your taster days to um, spend time in a pediatric nephrology um, center you can request a pediatric nephrology post um, and talk to your training um program director and see if they can do that for you and then other things that you can do and this would be outside of your day-to-day job would be attend nephrology meetings so you could physically attend them I know currently with the covid um, era we're all doing everything through video teleconferencing we can always ask permission to um, attend nephrology departmental meetings attend tertiary clinics um, through that and outside of that I don't know if Shuja wants to add um, kind of outside of the work um, work environment what did you do Shuja to show your interest and gain more experience did you do anything else yeah so I, I think um, you summarized really well Ash like kind of the steps that you need to take once you've got an inkling that you might be interested in a particular field and and really um, for anyone who's listening to this I, I do have to um, reiterate that you know it's it's not like um, you ever know 100% for sure that this is the specialty that you absolutely definitely want to do right from the very beginning. It it does take um, kind of just uh, following your own hints, your own um, interests, suspicions, your thoughts, and um, and then don't be afraid to to, to follow them uh, through uh, and doing those things that Ash has has suggested because it's only really prob- at the point of doing quite a lot of those things that you might make up your decision. Um, and I certainly explored a few other specialties before deciding on nephrology. Um, uh, and and I went through that process. In fact, I even got trained up to do endoscopies you know, and I was very close to applying to gastroenterology. Um, but when I finally did my nephrology job um, and, 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 and got more experience doing projects, that's when actually I weighed the two up and then I thought, actually, no, you know, I'm going to go um, all in 
for nephrology. Um, so, you know, by all means, um, if you are a listener to this and you feel like you just don't know necessarily exactly what you want to do, but you have some ideas, that's great. That's that's more than enough to begin with. And then just jump on that and see see where it leads you. Um, and we we work in a great specialty. It's very fluid. And, you know, we, we can totally um, uh, tailor things as we and there's plenty of time as well. Um, so to answer Ash's question specifically, uh, what else did I do to kind of show my interest when I knew um, that nephrology was something that I was interested in? And partly, guys, I would say, and I'm going to name drop here, it comes down to the individuals you work with. So, I mean, one of the individuals I worked with was Judith Vandervoort right from the very beginning of my training. And she is one of the most inspiring pediatricians that you will find um, and an incredible educator. But at the same time, she's a pediatric nephrologist and, and, and um, just... Uh, you know, brilliant at what she does and really watching her work and, and, and being um, attached to her for so many years um, as my supervisor really um, uh, prompted me. So don't be afraid to follow those few little subjective biases that make you feel like, actually, this might be the thing for me. Um, through Judith, I did um, a few projects, actually, and I would highly recommend trying to get on board um, with a supportive supervisor to try and get involved in some projects um, that um, will go the distance. So uh, what you're trying to do with your project is see it to completion, A. B, to try and get it presented and ideally presented at least regionally, if not nationally. That's what you want to aim for. Um, uh, if not internationally, and, and, and finally to get things published. And, um, you know, when a supervisor like Ash, you know, sees that you are keen and interested, um, it doesn't matter what level you're at, um, they will take you on board. And if you've got some ideas, they will help to support you uh, to get through, you know, to completion. And, um, and that's what helped me. I, during my training, I took an academic year out at ST3. Um, it wasn't a year out. It was an incorporated academic year into my training. And um, one of the projects I did was a, a multi-center nephrology related project, um, which uh, we ended up uh, presenting at a European um, conference up in Glasgow. Um, and uh, and that really helped me. Um, I We published together um, and um, uh, me as first author kind of critiquing some um, again, some trials that were being done internationally. And, and that's what I would say, If even if you don't have a project to an original article to publish yourself, you can always um, uh, try and write papers like, like I did. So I, did, uh, I, I published a paper um, as first author for evidence-based medicine in, in the BMJ, um, which was essentially uh, like a, a journal uh, critique of a nephrology study. And that also counts. And this really does show that you're, you're interested, you're showing commitment to the specialty. And one more thing that I did, um, I, I tried to, um, uh, one of my projects, QI projects, was related to the transition of young people into, uh, from, from uh, pediatrics to adult services. So I, I tailored that to the nephrology setting. And I attended a renal youth camp um, as a volunteer and as a leader. Um, 
and I performed some service improvement stuff um, at this camp with these young people. Um, but if you can volunteer and actually show that you're um, doing something related to your specialty in that regard, it, it I think it goes leaps and bounds, uh, especially when you're coming to writing stuff for your application and having things to say at interview. That's brilliant, Shuja. That's exactly the kind of thing that we would look for in a trainee um, I think the other outside, uh, the things that you can do outside of your day-to-day job are you could always um, attend, you can always ask um, any grid uh, trainees to see if you can attend one of their training days. Um, The grid trainees across the UK are hugely supportive. Um, The trainee lead, um, the name of the trainee lead is on the RCPCH website and their email address is on there um, and you can contact them directly. They'll invite you to the training days. You'll have the opportunity to um, listen to the talks, which is educational, but also to network with other nephrologists and with the other trainees. Um, And through that, um, you'll know which are the good courses for you to go on if you want to go on them. Um, And one meeting that's a really friendly meeting, and we encourage um, anybody from foundation level upwards, actually medical school upwards, to come to is the BAPN meeting. That's the British Association of Pediatric Nephrology. We have an annual meeting in the winter. Usually it's in December, uh, between December and February. Um, And it's one of the meetings where we frequently get um, individuals who are keen on pediatric nephrology and they present their projects. And I'd encourage everybody to come to that. I completely completely agree with Ash on that, actually. Um, And uh, definitely about the grid study days and the BOPM meetings, absolutely were really helpful for me. Um, And one extra kind of meeting um, or a subgroup of BAPN is called KQIP. Um, And and that's uh, dealing with kind of nationally led, uh, nationally run quality improvement projects within the specialty of nephrology. Um, And they had their own meeting, which I attended at this stage whilst preparing for um, uh, for my grid application. Um, and it was really useful to A, kind of present some of my quality improvement work at, but B, to find out what's going on nationally at the, uh, on, on, the, on, the, on the radar. And then these are really good things to, to be aware of and to be able to kind of name drop that into your um, coming application and interviews. You guys have provided us with so much food for thought in all of this. I think lots of people are not going to realise all these little things exist. Is there anything specific that trainees need to do to sort of optimise or maximise their chances of getting interviews when they're doing their applications? Have you got any bits of advice for that sort of aspect of it? Um, I'll, yeah, I'll start with this one, if that's okay. Um, I think that the key thing to do at the very beginning um, is, well, first of all, start in advance. Think about your application form in advance, well before the um, the, the date of it um, opening up, because actually the application form tends not to change year to year. So you, you'll put yourself in good stead by actually having a look at last year's questions and, um, and, 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 and trying to think in advance about um, uh, how you would populate your answers. And secondly, before you even start to brainstorm is look at your at the shortlisting criteria that's freely available on the RCPCH website. If you um, if you type in um, subspecialty grid uh, training, um, 
uh, or the grid application, it's it's got all the information there that will help and and the main thing to look at is the shortlisting criteria and and uh, what you want to aim to do is to achieve the maximum points for each of the um, subject areas um, and at the same time you can look at the, the application um, job description um, and, and that will also highlight the ad uh, the the um, the kind of preferred characteristics that they're looking for. Um, and you want to try and basically to try and really achieve the maximum points on the shortlisting criteria and um, make sure you sell that you are the kind of person with the kind of characteristics that they find desirable. Um, and so to answer specifically, you know, your question about how to really um, help to make sure that you get enough points to get to interview, um, I, I, I would just highlight the things that give you the maximum points. So, for example, when it comes to teaching, all of us get involved in teaching, but they, for the maximum points, you're looking to design and lead some kind of teaching program. So if you think about what's available in your own particular deaneries, in your own educational contexts, what can you get involved in that's going to help you to design and lead a specific a specific program? I had my own examples, but what are yours going to be? And then attached to teaching is some kind of formal teaching qualification. You may have noticed that they got rid of points for having a separate degree. In preparation for this, I did look at the the currently published shortlisting criteria. Um, so I, I think I think they used to give two points uh, for a degree. Um, I think now there is still a single point um, that is available, but it doesn't um, it doesn't give you anything extra for having a degree in medical education. But you can still get that point by doing a course of some sort, like um, a. a, a general instruction course, like you might have for being nominated for an APLS instructor, or, um, you know, uh, trying to do some kind of a postgraduate um, course that maybe your postgraduate medical education department may run some kind of a teach the teachers training session. So um, have a little look at what your own um, deanery can provide, and it'll be an easy point to get. Um, then uh, there are things like publishing. So they do want to see you publish if you can. And the maximum points will be if you can publish as first author in at least two papers. That would give you the maximum points. Um, you will still get points for other kinds of publications. But for the maximum, you want to be the first author and they need to be two separate publications, excluding case reports. Um, they want your uh, research to have been kind of presented on, on the national uh, stage for the maximum points and uh, they would like your leadership um, uh, kind of whatever kind of leadership or management then again for the maximum points they want that to be a national uh, or at least regional um, and I guess the last thing I was going to say was about uh, quality improvement that they just want to see you having um, you know completed cycles design-led presented things and and have evidence of having done things regularly through your training. So, I mean, the answers are all there in the shortlisting criteria um, as to what to try and achieve. But then what you've got to do is look at what you've got, brainstorm everything that you have and see where and how you can word your experience to try and leave it completely unambiguous that you have met that criterion for the maximum marks. Um, where, where, of course, applicable. You can't lie, of course, and you can't twist something that's not there. But, um, but if you've got it, um, or if you can tweak what you've got by doing a simple kind of presentation somewhere, 
um, and getting an abstract in, then that is the way to really make your application stand out with the maximum marks and improve your chance of getting that interview. I think that's really comprehensive, Shuja. Shuja's covered all the main bits, I think. The only thing I would add is that remember that the points are not specifically nephrology, uh, don't have to be nephrology related. So trans everything is uh, transferable, so transferable skills. Um, you just have to show that you're able to follow a project all the way through, for example, or um, that you have been involved in, I don't know, uh, teamwork, etc. whatever it is, whatever point you want to make. It doesn't have to be um, that you're working in paediatric nephrology or that it was nephrology related. There is a section on commitment to nephrology and that, and you can show why your, your commitment and things in that area. But otherwise, don't be afraid to put down um, any relevant points that you achieved in other specialties. Um, and also remember that you don't need to get maximum points to get an interview there's a threshold you have to cross and each year that that num that threshold will change um, and you just have to get enough points to cross the threshold you don't need to worry if you don't get maximum points for things you just try your best and you go for it um, and like Shu just said um, Usually, all of us as doctors aren't very good at blowing our own trumpets and we're not very good at um, selling ourselves. And often your supervisor um, or sometimes your best friend um, or sometimes anybody outside of the current situation that you're in will be able to see your achievements a lot better than you. And I would make sure that you get your application form checked by as many people as possible across different specialties. They don't even need to be a medic, I don't think, to look at your application for you and to make sure that you're selling yourself properly and you've got all the appropriate points in there. That's amazing. Thank you, guys. That was really good um, information to give trainees for their application. And I just wanted to say thank you to... Ash and Shuja for joining us for these podcasts and to Rebecca for hosting them for us. As you probably noticed, Rebecca introduced me at the start of that podcast, but she did such a great job that I wasn't really needed to say anything during it. Join us again in a couple of weeks time where we'll be releasing the second part of this podcast that discusses how to interview for the Nephrology Grid programme. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites. Thank you.